NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, Episode 79. No rodeo talk or country music. We've done that plenty all year long. How about an episode with Christmas cheer and a very merry ending? Yes. Of 2021. Mm, 2020, 2021. Be nice to us. Whatever year it is. <laughs> I want 21 to be like a little stocking stuffer. Just like, the, the, oh, look at you. You're cute. Not just like the Grinch deal. We just wrapped up the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Steve, you wrapped up the Junior World Finals in a sweet fashion. Brylin, Cowboy Christmas, everything else that you did down there in Fort Worth. It's just nice to be here talking to you too. And Absolutely, man. I know my kids are totally pumped for Christmas and we got some snow on the ground up here, so it's starting to feel a lot like it. And nothing like stories and the good old Christmas rituals. You two have a Christmas tradition. So like our Christmas tradition in the Bentley household is we have chocolate covered biscuits and it's like a chocolate sauce. That has been passed down for years over top of a drop biscuit with some butter, and it's amazing. But do you guys have, like, that one family tradition you look forward to? Defibrillators after that thing. Holy cow, Bri. <laughs> we all go into, like, a nap coma because I am the child still at 21 years old. I probably will wake up at 6 a.m. and be like, guys, Santa was here. Still that person. Wow. Absolutely. That's adorable. But then we make chocolate-covered biscuits. Um, I like to kick off a crisp winter morn with a white Russian. So, yeah. <laughs> and that the sweet side of this whole business during Christmas is just, well, as you said, Steve, it's a defibrillator. Uh, no doubt about it. But Steve, what about you, man? You, you got kids. How's the house up buzzing right now for you? No, I'm excited to be hungry and sober for a few days after this whole thing shuts down. Um, no, it's cool, man. The kid thing is definitely cool. And you see like how excited they are. Same thing as you, you know, you look at that little deal tour, even like my oldest, she's, you know, the whole thing with Santa Claus is not really, she doesn't want to admit too much one way or the other, likes to kind of ride the fence. And then the two little ones, they're just, they're full fledged. Like we've got Santa traps, we've got reindeer toboggans ready if we can't catch one so you know it's funny you say that yeah so obviously i got an older one and we got a younger one and it's pretty enjoyable to watch that process and when we did go through that time it was kind of fun like hey t you, is it okay like can we talk about you know are you still believing or you're not and, and where we came to that conclusion that he was okay that you know santa didn't exist However, for the little Whoa, one, yeah, you don't know who's listening. You yeah, yeah. Whoa, my bad. Sorry. Yes, exactly. my bad. Take that Brian back. Bentley on the other line, man. This is true. 
As long as the family saying, as long as you believe, you will receive. Just like in the Polar Express, as long as you hear the bell, it's because you're still believing in him. What an amazing year this has been. I think it's brought in a lot more gifts. There's been a lot of heartache, but then there's also been a lot of cool things that have happened along this way. And there's no doubt this podcast has delivered on many aspects of that. The gifts that keep on giving. Enjoy these classic Christmas stories with Andy Seiler reading Twas the Night Before Christmas, Godert doing How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Polar Express with Brylon Bentley. Hey everybody, this is Aaron Watson, and you're listening to NFR Extra. A Visit from St. Nicholas, more commonly known as The Night Before Christmas and Twas the Night Before Christmas. From its first line is a poem first published anonymously in 1823 and later attributed to Clement Clark Moore, who claimed authorship in 1837. The poem has been called arguably the best known verse ever written by an American and is largely responsible for some of the conceptions of Santa Claus from the mid-19th century to today. It has had a massive effect on the history of Christmas gift-giving. Before the poem gained wide popularity, American ideas had varied considerably about St. Nicholas and the other Christmas-tied visitors. A visit from St. Nicholas eventually was set to music and has been recorded by many artists. Here is Twas the Night Before Christmas from the voice of Andy Seiler. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of a new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen! On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As the leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, Down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled! His dimples, how merry! His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His draw little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, the right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. 
A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Hey, this is Tracy Lawrence, and you're here with us on NFR Extra. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a children's story by Theodore Dr. Seuss Geisel, written in rhymed verse with illustrations by the author. It follows the Grinch, a grumpy, solitary creature who attempts to put an end to Christmas by stealing Christmas-themed items from the homes of the nearby town, Whoville, on Christmas Eve. Miraculously, the Grinch realizes that Christmas may not all be about money and presents. The story was published as a book by Random House in late 1957. Here is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, read by Steve Goder. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on quite right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they were hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, I must find a way to keep Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the who girls and boys would wake up bright and early and they'd rush for their toys. And then, oh the noise, oh the noise, noise, noise. That one thing he hated, noise, noise, noise noise. Then the who's young and old who sit down to a feast, and they'd feast and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would start with who pudding, and a rare who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. They'd sing and they'd sing and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I've put with it now, I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do, the Grinch laughed in his throat. And he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. And he chuckled and chuckled, what a great Grinchy trick. With his coat and his hat, I'll look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer, the Grinch looked around. But since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop old Grinch? No, the Grinch simply said. If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh. And he hitched up old Max, and the Grinch said, Giddy up! And the sleigh started down, toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark, quite snow-filled in the air, and all the Who's were dreaming sweet dreams without care. 
when he came to the first house in the square. This is stop number one, the old Grinch Claus hissed. And he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so would the Grinch. He got stuck only once for a moment or two. Then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little stockings all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorns, and plums. And then he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch, very nimbly, stuffed all the bags, one by one, up the chimney. Then he slunk into the icebox. He took the Who's Feast. He took the Who Pudding. He took the Roast Beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of Who Hash. Then he stuffed all of the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and a small who, little Cindy Lou Who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this little who daughter who'd go out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know the old Grinch who was so smart and slick, he thought up a lie. And he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot? The fake Santa Claus lied. There's not a light on the tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there. I'll bring it back here. And this fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he got her drink and sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was the log for the fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls, he left nothing but hooks and some wire, and the one speck of food he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other Who houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the Who's mouses. It was quarter past dawn, all the Who's still abed, all the Who's still a snooze when he packed up his sled. Packed it up with presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags, the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings. 3,000 feet up! Up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode to the top to dump it. Poo poo to the Who's, the Grinchishly humming. They're finding now that Christmas is not coming. They're just waking up, I know what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open for a minute or two. The all the Who's down in Whoville will cry, Boo hoo! That's noise, grinned the Grinch. I simply must hear. So he paused and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, the sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He started down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw as a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. The Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours, till his puzzler was sore, and then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they'll say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Hey, y'all, I'm Cody Johnson, and you're joining us right here on NFR Extra. 
The Polar Express is a children's book written and illustrated by Chris Van Allsburg and published by Houghton Mifflin in 1985. The book is now widely considered to be a classic Christmas story for young children. It was praised for its detailed illustrations and calm, relaxing storyline. The book is set partially in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the author's hometown. It was inspired in part by Van Allsburg's memories of visiting the Herpenschleimers and Wurzburg's department stores as a child. Here is the Polar Express, read by Brylon Bentley. On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound a friend had told me I'd never hear. Ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There's no Santa. My friend insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night, I did hear the sounds, though not of ringing bells. From outside came the sounds of hissing steam and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still in front of my house. It was wrapped in an apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took large pocket watch from his vest, then looked up at my window. I put on my slippers and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the hall. All aboard! The conductor cried out. I ran up to him. Well, are you coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express. I took his outstretched hand and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nougat centers as white as snow. We drank hot chocolate as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of the town and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express raced northward. Soon, there were no more lights to be seen. We traveled through cold, dark forest where lean wolves roamed and white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed mountains so high it seemed as if we could scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills, the hills to snow-covered plains. We crossed a barren desert of ice, the great polar ice cap. Nights appeared in distance. They looked like the lights of strange ocean lines sailing on a frozen sea. There is the North Pole. The North Pole. It was a huge city standing alone at the top of the world, filled with their factories where every Christmas toy was made. At first, we saw no elves. They're gathering at the center of the city. That is where Santa will give the first gift of Christmas. Who receives the first gift, we all asked. He will choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves. Outside, we saw hundreds of elves. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crawl. So crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no further, we stopped and the conductor led us outside. We pressed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. In front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced, ringing the silver bells that hung from their harness. It was a magical sound, like nothing I'd ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart and Santa appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us and, pointing to me, said, Let's have this fellow here. He jumped into his sleigh. The conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee and he asked, Now, what would you like for Christmas? I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine, but the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, Santa smiled. He gave me a hug and told an elf to cut a bell from a reindeer's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. 
He stood holding the bell high above him and called out, The first gift of Christmas. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa Claus' sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said, but the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way. It broke my heart to lose the bell. When the train reached my house, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor yelled something from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. What? I yelled at him. He cupped his hand around his mouth. Merry Christmas! The Polar Express let out a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one last small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was a silver bell. There was a note. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket, Miss C. I shook the bell. It made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard, but my mother said, Oh, that's too bad. Yes, it's broken, said my father. When I had shaken the bell, my parents had not heard a sound. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as if does for all who truly believe. Many thanks to Andy Seiler, Steve Godert, and Brylin Bentley. From all of us at NFR Extra, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. All year.